everybody, and welcome to the Talking CX Podcast. I'm Robin Miller, and with me, I have Graham Clark. Hi, Graham. Hi, it's good to be back. Okay, you're back again. That's great. And today, we're going to be discussing the seven steps of customer experience design. This is going to be a really interesting podcast, and it's going to build on what our previous discussions have been in previous podcasts. In podcast five, we discuss the customer understanding and knowing your customer, uh, you know, personas and, and journey maps and all of that kind of good thing. And then in our last podcast, podcast six, we discussed the operating model and how those interaction channels and people and organizations, processes, technology, data, measurements, all of those things, how they work together synergistically to form the operating model. So in this podcast, we're going to discuss experience design. Graham, uh, let's get started by just explaining how do we define experience design and what are we trying to achieve? So the, the basic and simplistic objective of the experience design process is how to deliver on the customer's needs and wants as expressed in the customer journeys, customer journey maps, in a way that's deliverable via the elements of your business operating model. And so in order to achieve that objective, we basically go through seven steps. So firstly, starting with the customer persona and the customer journey, you know, make sure we understand what it is the customer wants us to achieve, right? What the customer wants to achieve, not what we want to. Number two is reviewing the features of the operating model against the requirements to deliver on that, especially in available channels and organizations and processes and applications and measurement systems, all the stuff we covered before. Number three, mapping the experience interactions in the journey maps, including the flow of interactions, which proceed and succeed each of them. Generally, we recommend using a swim lane model, but, but there are other ways to do that. Uh, number four is designing the actual user experience, you know, the UX within each of those interaction points to ensure it delivers on the three E's of experience, right? Ease, effectiveness, and emotional empathy for each of the interaction components and also when those interactions are synchronized together. Number five is making sure that you provide experience options, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. And number six is reviewing and testing the experience design. And then once you have an experience design that everybody's comfortable with, you then implement or activate it. Um, it sounds like there's a, a lot going on in those seven steps. And also, it sounds like this could also be a really creative process kind of like bringing the art back into the CX science. So we're circling back to the artistic piece now. And to help illustrate these steps, I'd like to continue using our mortgage application example that we used in our previous podcast for the CX um, operating model. Only in this case, because experience design is completely dependent on that critical first step, of identifying the customer persona, I'd like to for us to use two different types of businesses or, or business models. So last time we used our credit union, which is a good model. And then we have a different kind of mortgage service completely that operates completely online. And I think a good example of that would be Rocket Mortgage. So as we go through these steps, maybe we can tie 
those examples in together and kind of call out the differences what to what our experience design would look like in these seven steps, depending on what kind of model we were using. Yeah. Yeah. And and the, the first step is is really critical, right? I mean, the 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 whole core of CX is about um, delivering experiences based on what the customer wants from the outside in. So knowing your customer, knowing their needs, their wants and the expectations, and not just your current customers, but the ones you're hoping to attract in the future. And, and at a very simple level, just a, a very simple principle, right? If you spend money building or marketing to the building experiences for or marketing to the wrong customer, you know, you'll end up with unhappy customers and wasting, wasting a lot of money. So you, you, you can't afford to continuously increase your operating costs or change your organization and process models in this day and age without knowing precisely, you know, who it's for, who it is you're trying to serve. Well, so yeah, it is a very critical first step. So here, the, 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 uh, I think the, the, the big question here is what kinds of questions should we be asking to make sure that the right persona is identified persona or personas? Well, I, I, I mean, I think we start with, you know, we start with what we covered before, right? Which is the customer understanding step, which was two podcasts ago. Um, but when we get to the experience design piece, we're really asking, you know, has the work been done up front in the customer understanding space? Do we, do we know what the key into what the interactions are and you know what the moments of truth are that the customer values, um, you know, and are they, are they defined and are they agreed? And do we understand the difference between one particular customer group's expectations, needs, and wants and moments of truth and another, and another customer groups. So we know what it is we're trying to deliver on. Um, but you have to, you know, you have to be able to provide the experience that the customer demands. So if it's important to the customer to sit down face to face with a live person to discuss their needs and walk you through, you know, the application process for their mortgage, uh, that's the credit union model. You know, Rocket doesn't do that for you. On the other hand, if they want to complete an end to end mortgage application without talking to anybody, then, you know, it's a radically different experience and a different operating model. And that's where, you know, Rocket will work for you. And, and if a credit union wants to capture some of those customers, they may have to significantly amp up their online application uh, capabilities. So, you know, thinking about today and tomorrow being different, we, we have a credit union customer um, that's deploying significantly uplifted online mortgage application capabilities because they recognize in their case that the, you know, the Rocket customer, as they call them, is a high value, low cost customer. Um, and it may be a minority of the 65 plus year olds that make up the credit union's business model today in its majority, but it's certainly a majority of the 25 year olds, you know, which are tomorrow's 30, 40, 50 year olds. So they're really evolving their business model to figure out how to tap into some of these new experience expectations. Out of the personas and journey maps then in designing this customer uh, experience design in this first step come the customer requirements that have to be met. And that leads to the second step in experience design, reviewing the features of your operating model against these requirements to see where the gaps are in your available channels and organizations and processes and technology and so on. Yeah. Yeah. And this is where you, you know, you really consider balancing the preferences um that your customers have with the capabilities you have and even 
you know, what you'd like to promote. So maybe if you're a credit union, your, your branch experience is a big differentiator for you. Again, this, this credit union we've been working with, um, you know, they basically have discovered in some research that 80% of the people who actually talk to one of their branch associates face-to-face originate their mortgage with them. So, so they, they have to figure out how to deliver these online capabilities, but also drive uh, potential customers into their branches, or at least to talk to their, their associates um, on the phone, right? And so in addition to that, in talking to their associates on the phone, for example, they're looking at the fact that a year ago, you know, they didn't have a contact center um, and now they do. So they've improved their business operating model in order to deliver on customers who want to actually talk to somebody on the phone. Um, although without being too cynical about it, it's only open 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Monday to Saturday. And so, um, you know, customers who want to do their mortgage application at 9 p.m. on a Sunday and talk to someone uh, are really not their customers. So, um, you know, credit unions really tend to stress personal interactions because they know that's a a win theme. Um, But, you know, they might uh, promote challenging customers into talking to people on those personal interactions, but they still recognize that with all the trends that are going on in the marketplace, their operating model has to include the ability to deliver pretty significant digital capabilities to all customers. Okay. So we have the requirements now, and then the third step is our swim lane model to map the experience interactions, um, including the you know, the, the, how the flow of what comes before and after each of those interactions. Sometimes by the way, those components are actually documented in the journey map. Sometimes they're not. Um, but really you want people process organization, um, you know, the technology, the apps and the data, um, all mapped out. And then obviously the, uh, the measurement and analytics can allow us to uh, determine whether the experience is successful, you know, also need to be need to be mapped out and you know in our credit union example or in our rocket example you know there's things that you you know can or can't or should or shouldn't do um you know like whether you have a call planner like whether you have an end-to-end mortgage origination process on a digital app and so on and so forth that we need to we need to uh, document inside our experience design model um you know as we as we figure out how we're actually going to deliver on these customer demands Okay, so now that we have figured out our requirements, our future state uh, operating model using our swim lanes to see how all of that is going to come together, we are finally ready to start the actual design. And this is generally done from a UX perspective and to ensure that it delivers on the uh, three E's, typically called the three E's, E's effectiveness and emotional empathy and keeping in mind how personalization is impacted by the different types of UX, you know, things like mobile web and so on like that. So how does, what does that personalization look like? No, I mean, so, so firstly, just a comment. So I think coming back to your original comment, this is, this is a real art, right? I mean, there's a science and a process to each of these, but you know, think about um, designing a mobile app, 
is a completely different UX process to designing an IVR experience, press one for this, press two for this, or even a speech enabled IVR. So there's a lot of different uh, techniques involved in this and there's a lot of creative elements, but you mentioned personalization and contextualization and they um, you know, play a really important role in today's user experience. Um, by the way, contextualization is providing unique experiences based on the behavior and can be tracked whether you're a, an identified user who's logged in and declared yourself or whether you're an anonymous user. Uh, personalization is personal, so it requires you to actually tell, actually know who the person is. Um, but, you know, the, both of those things are highly applicable. So, um, you know, you think about designing experiences that are static. You think of designing experiences that are dynamic and personalized according to you. And then, you know, where we're going in technology, right? Think about a, a facial recognition system, you know, which knows you when you walk into the branch and ensures the agent has your online application and account up on their iPad when they greet you, right? That's that's a, a couple of different interaction points in an experience design that can really dramatically change the intimacy, remember, emotional empathy, intimacy, um, of the experience for the individual customer. For for the right customer. By the way, a bunch of other customers think that's pretty spooky. Yeah, right. For the right customer, going back to why step one is so critical. And yeah, I know you like chat box mm -hmm. and, and robotics type stuff. So it would be, also, they could include the ability to talk to Alexa to apply at some point if someone isn't doing that right. already. Right. Yeah, I know you're a big fan of chatbots too. So um, he says slightly sarcastically. <laughs> so, you know, in our credit union example, right, they're, they're actually involved in some pretty intense research to, you know, understand what those capabilities are for their future operating model and also, um, you know, when that future is going to arrive, right? And and all the research they're doing says it's really important and is coming faster than you think. Um, and specifically when they started, they were looking at, you know, your classic kind of online chatbot that people have on their computer. Um, but what they've realized is that Alexa and, you know, Google's products and all the other products running around Siri from Apple are basically chatbots, they're robotics. Um, and there's a pretty high demand uh, for a significant number of customers, both in the younger age, but also in the middle age groups for those capabilities. So they can actually uh, intelligently talk to a box in their living room, I suppose, about the mortgage process as it goes through. And uh, step five, basically, very simply, make sure you provide experience options. Now, how is this different from what we just discussed? Because we just threw out a whole bunch of options there. So how is that different? It, to some extent it is and to some extent it isn't you you know you could you could argue there's six steps and just blend this in but to me it's worthwhile calling out so you know for each of the if you think about the experience as the as the sequence of interactions there's a lot of different options different channels you could go through different things you could do for each of those and so um you know we have it there as a specific step it's really a validation point before we move on to step six to make sure that we've actually created multiple options and we don't have kind of the the single path to truth which applies to all man and womankind um and so we always think it's worthwhile making sure you've got a variety of interaction flows you know you may find that the individual interaction user experiences the uxs that there's a variety of different options there um and so you know we talked about 
you know, do you want an option in terms of an intelligent conversational AI voice experience through Alexa, or do you want a self-service IVR pressing one or pressing two, or do you want to go to a mobile app or do you want to do this? Or do you have, you know, effectively incentives that you're providing to your customers in order to move, you know, to select one of those experiences because it's what you want them to do. Okay. So we're finally ready for step six. Review and test your experience design. So what does that look like? Right. And so there's really there's really two two elements to that. There's kind of testing with customers. So, you know, verifying, validating, modifying your experiences, deciding which of the options or multiple options your customers actually want. And then um, you know, obviously there's testing in terms of making sure that the experience actually actually works and and you know how do we do that right i mean we often um create effectively you know wall wall chart flows on brown papers of the processes in their swim lanes and we'll we'll create examples of each of the interactions which are paper-based prototypes for those agile fans and you know and 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 a variety of other approaches you know they will recognize the the uh, the the power of that design thinking is another fan of paper prototypes so um, you know, we'll create those, we'll move them around, we'll edit them. Um, and we may go back around, you know, steps three, four, five, and six multiple times before we actually arrive at something where everybody can kind of, you know, salute and hands up, this is good and we should move forward. And moving forward means step seven, implementing this, or in other words, just making it available to everyone and putting it out there for people to use. What goes into that piece of it? You know, think about you know the examples we've talked about. There may be five, six, seven, eight, nine different channels involved. There may be twenty to thirty interactions spanning those channels. So you know, just implement it, right? There may be people training, processes that need changing, technology that needs implementing, you know, in order to implement and activate the experience. So uh, you know, but but in addition to all the things we talked about, right? You've also got to make sure you include all the right measurement elements and feedback mechanisms, you know, to ensure that you you continually uh, improve the experiences and even identify, you know, elements that you create that are never used um, so that you can remove those components or at least amend them and, uh, and always providing you the ability to have customers, you know, tell you about the experience and options that you did or didn't provide um, so that you can actually, you can actually modify those because the intention, everybody knows you're not going to get this right, you know, first time out of the gate. So, even with all the testing you might have done, you're still gonna you're still gonna learn a lot from from your customers. And and you know, talking about the credit union example, right? We we have a client who recognize that you know, as we talked about, that their unique relationship feature is kind of the personal interaction between their associates and the customers or members, as they call them. Um, and so, one of the things they do is they call all the customers who apply for a mortgage. Um, to basically engage with them, but also to make sure they understand that even if they start the mortgage application online, it is not actually possible for them to complete the application completely mm-hmm. online yet. I mean, that's one of the things they're working on, but today, so what they found is that rather than having customers stumble through that process and get frustrated is as very early in the process, if they connect with that customer and explain how the process works um, and make some positive statements about why it's actually a benefit beneficial, uh, model, then then they generally find that their mortgage completion rates are significantly higher. Okay, so that personalization is still critical. 
Um, and really, as I'm mm -hmm. listening to all of this and we're going through it, um, it occurs to me that really the overall approach of these seven steps isn't that different from just a regular application development effort that's on a large scale. So you have your requirements, your analysis to map the, the future state uh, of, of, of the customer experience, and then you design that, you test it, you deploy it. Um, I'm sure we could add other similar elements as well, you know, including the training, the organizational and customer adoption, and all of that kind of thing. In this case, the application is really likely to impact every part of your organization, though. So it's not just a, a piece of software running somewhere to suit some purpose, but it really should, to be successful, involve every facet of your organization. Um, and I would expect that another critical factor of this whole thing, as you alluded to earlier with the brown paper modeling, is to stay agile throughout this process. It it's also sounds like it's very iterative. And like you said, it starts with, well, really identifying the, the persona is the critical piece. And then after that, a lot of those other steps that come after are, are, are iterative. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I mean, I, firstly, you know, the term agile is is a much abused term, right? It means whatever you want it to mean. But, um, you know, to be highly effective and, and deliver significant impact, you, you have to assume that you're not going to, you know, you're not going to get it right first off. You're not going to get your design right first off. You're not going to get your uh, individual UX components right first off. You're not even going to get it right completely at the point that you um, activate it and deploy it. So, um, you know, we, we, we often refer to the approach as customer thinking. So that's combining design thinking approaches and agile design thinking approach with a, with a kind of customer experience, customer centric approach. Um, and you bring those two things together. So, you know, we, we, I mentioned earlier about, you know, brown papers on the wall that contain the swim lanes, um, you know, with, with kind of three by five cards defining the experience or kind of hand-drawn um, user experience representations. And we'll bring um, customers, live customers into the room effectively to give their experience on that before an organization engages in the expensive activity of actually, you know, coding applications and consolidating data and training people and implementing uh, process workflow application components to help enable the processes or even or even changing significant parts of the organization. So, um, you know, we find that that kind of agile plus design thinking plus customer experience, which we call customer thinking to be a very powerful, powerful way of approaching this. Yeah. So thank you for for taking us through that. Um, I think that's a really good follow on to our previous discussions and good groundwork for the next part of our series, which is going to go into the technology and data and, and measurements part of it. And that will be the, the series on our CX building blocks. So that's going to come up next. So hopefully um, some of you that are listening are going to have some comments about this. What are your experiences with designing a great experience for your customers? What kinds of these um, elements that we've discussed are true for your organization? 
Or do you have some other ones that you use that we haven't discussed here? Yeah, no, and not just examples of of you know where people have had great successes with experience design, but but also as customers, which we all are, you know, examples of experiences you know you've had with organizations you deal with, where to be honest with you, user reaction is what on earth were they thinking? You know, when they designed this, or even did they design it? Did they jump right to implementation without actually checking what they were doing with any of their customers? So uh, you know, some good stories and also some anecdotes of places where things have not necessarily gone right. That would be great. We'd love to hear those. You can contact us at info at talkingcx.com. You can call 833-482-5529, our toll-free number. Leave us a message or a story, whichever you'd like to do. And you um, you can send us a tweet at TalkingCX. And we'd love to hear from you. So until next time, remember, do CX right. And do it right now. Okay. We'll talk to you next time. Bye for now.